Welcome to this week's podcast from Fearless LA. For more information, check out fearlessla.com or explore the Fearless app. Thanks for listening. This is Fearless Los Angeles. person's hand next to you and lift it to the sky and I want you to say God this is our time this is our time this is our time now with your hands lifted I want to pray Jesus I pray every hand every heart you would knit us together God not just this church but the churches in this city we would be arm in arm the body of Christ we'd no longer look like the bride of Frankenstein But we look like your bride coming back without spot or wrinkle, God. We love each other. This is our time. This is our year. We were born for this moment. We were destined for this moment. This is not our year to hate each other. This is not our year for division. This is our year for unity in Jesus' name. And if you believe that, come on, put your hands together and give Jesus a shout. You can be seated. You can be seated. This is our time. Acts chapter 2, verse number 17 says this. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Somebody say prophesy. They will speak about things that aren't. As though they are. They will be crazy talkers. They will speak from heaven's perspective, not earth. They will pull down heaven to this jacked up, messed up place. We are pulling light down. We don't have to be afraid of darkness. We're going to pull light down. We're going to prophesy, not about the gloom and doom. We're going to prophesy about Jesus changing everything. Because this is our time. Do you believe that? This is your time. Do you believe God chose you? He handpicked you for such a time as this. Do you understand you are not here by accident? Do you know that if you are hearing this message right now, all before time began, this message was planned, that you would sit here and hear it, and God put you into time to end up right here at the right time to understand that this is your time. This is our time. They will prophesy, meaning you and I will speak about things that aren't, pull down heaven and see things come to our earth. Your young men will see visions. That word to see means is reha, which means to touch what you see. Your young men will touch what they see. That's a promise. God's not messing with you. And your old men will dream dreams, not old physically, but old spiritually. Dreams are different than visions because dreams cover a lot of visions in one. Yeah, God gives spiritually older, mature people dreams of things that they won't even touch themselves, but they will raise up sons and daughters that will do the touching on the things that they dream of. You are the chapter in the movie that God gave me. God gave me a movie, and I know and realize I can't touch everything he's already shown me, but there is a generation that 
is the dry, valley of dry bones maybe right now, but God is raising up an army of people that will touch what they see. My question today then is what do you see? Because whatever you see, you're going to touch. Hmm. I'll just let that sit. I came today to serve notice on the devil and clear out some eyes. I've seen far too long myself this thing called fear. Like to expose the enemy, the greatest acronym for fear that I could, I've ever heard is false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. They say that faith is the currency of heaven. And if faith is the currency of heaven, I believe fear, false evidence appearing real, is the currency of hell. I believe it's the prophetic gift that fills us with prophesying about things that God never meant to come to pass. But because we are afraid, we start speaking out and using this gift that we have. This is not my time. This is not my year. I don't know if God's even for me. And all of a sudden, you have no clue what you just did. I came all the way here to raise up some 20-year-olds, some 23-year-olds, some 24-year-olds that don't have to live in the things I lived in. Because I spoke and lined up with what he said instead of what he said. What if you caught that this is actually your time? What if you caught that Daniel couldn't have done it? David didn't have the power. God specifically designed you to be here right now to see the whole world flipped upside down and experience his love. What if God could actually use us? He's not sending anyone else. He chose you. It wasn't us who chose him. It was him who chose us. And he called us good. You have to understand this, folks. God does not live in time. He lives outside of time. He stepped into time to create the universe. There's a new song by Bethel. It says, you make me brave. I love that song. Especially the, the studio version. It's just like epic and these big drugs. Go check it out. I cried. All the way here listening to that song. All the way here. Because I don't make me brave. You make me brave. It's you inside me to give me the strength and the boldness that I don't have. You make me brave. You call me out to the deep waters. You wash over me with your love. The other day I was listening to that track and I, was, I got a new water waterproof uh, uh, case from my phone. I was worried because it might destroy it, but it's all good. I got some headphones, and I was just taking, I was just being stupid, you know, the waves are just coming in, I was just feeling them against my face, and I'm out there just singing. People must have thought I was crazy. But I love that that song says, let the, let the, let the waves of your love wash over me. And that's what I feel like in this season in my life. When you step out into the center of his will, the only thing you have left is trusting him. But it's the only place I've found joy. The key is to stay in it. No matter what voices try to pull you out of it. Pastor Russell, our, our, our lead pastor of this church, said in his book on honor, Obedience is success, period. And he began to tell the story of Noah. 
120 years, he talked about something, but the people around him didn't see what he talked about. And if you would have asked them while they were still alive, if Noah was successful in hearing from God, they would have said no. He's just a kook. He's a crazy old man. He's been building a boat for 120 years, and he says it's going to rain. He was a failure. But heaven says obedience is success. What is God going to call you to do that looks like you're failing to everybody around you? Jesus on the cross, everywhere he went, there were thousands. Filled up hillsides, had to jump in boats just to speak. We can fit in this room. Jesus couldn't have. He was a freaking rock star. Everywhere he went, crowds followed. People forgot to eat when he preached. Y'all ain't going to forget to eat today. If I preach too long, you're going to be looking at me like, I'm going to eat your arm. You better, you better hurry up, white boy. I need something. I need, I need, you better hurry up. You got 10 more minutes, right? You know? But Jesus, he was such a dynamic, powerful speaker that people forgot to eat. He had to multiply some little kid's lunch. They didn't kill him, right? But at the cross, there were so many people at some things he would ask, they had to cut a hole in the roof to get people in. The, the line was too long. But at his cross, there were three. So to the world, for the next three days, he was a failure. Or was he? Because success is not what everybody sees. It's obedience. 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 That's why Jesus in the garden said, God, would, could, you, could you take this away from me? This, 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 what I'm about to go through, I don't, I don't think I can go through. And all of a sudden, what do you say? No, not my will, but your will be done. Even in the prayer, he said, pray this way, Father, your will on earth as it is in heaven. Look, it's all about getting in the center of his will. And in that place, I may not feel it all the time, but I have to ask my feelings to line up with what he said, not what he said to line up with how I feel. And this is what we do in church. We want what he said to line up with how we feel. I don't feel like worshiping, so I shouldn't have to. I, I don't feel like giving, so I shouldn't have to. What is this? Are you kidding me? You want me to serve, so I shouldn't have to. If I feel it, then I'll do it. If I don't, I won't. We want our feelings. We want to bring our feelings, and we want to put them as God on this throne. But can I tell you this? The safety that we're going for emasculates greatness. Harboring your life in a safe place destroys what you and I were called to do. We were born to be brave. We were born to be warriors. We were born to step out on faith and be filled with his fire. We were destined for that. Second Timothy tells us in the last days there's going to be terrible times. There will be people that are lovers of themselves, people that are lovers of money, people that are boastful and proud and abusive and disobedient to their parents uh, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, lovers of, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the form of godliness, but denying his power. This is, 
this is not talking about people outside the church, just to help all the church people. This is people that have a form of godliness, but deny its power. Its power comes not from standing outside of his will and looking in and observing. His power comes. Where does his power come? When they were obedient to what he called them to do. Look, go, don't leave Jerusalem. Go sit in a room and wait. And when you wait, there's going to be an outpouring. An outpouring only happens in a certain place. It doesn't happen all over. It happens in the place of obedience. And when that obedience comes, you will receive power to witness, to change your world. You will find out why you were born and why you have a destiny and why you were chosen. Great obedience brings great power, but having a form of God gives you a worthless, temporary fix. It's like most Christians coming to church, give me a fix, Pastor. Get, get, put something in my veins. I need another high. I, and this is why when people say the statements like, oh, that's just emotionalism. Why? Because they've seen too many Christians come in and then leave like this. They wouldn't be saying that if when we left. We didn't receive a high here, but we had the most high living inside of us, and he could never put us down. Galatians 6, 7 says this, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Say you reap what you sow. Verse number 8, the one who sows to please his sinful nature, that nature he will reap destruction. The one that sows to please his spirit, from the spirit he will reap eternal life. Galatians 6, 9. So let us not become weary in doing what is good. Say, don't become weary. Don't get tired of doing what is good. For at a proper, for at a proper, this is our time. For at a proper time, mm, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Don't give up. Don't back down. Don't stop. No matter what you feel, don't stop. Don't let anything pull you out of his will. Don't let any person, any friendship, any relationship, including your husband or your wife, pull you out of the will of God. If a relationship is drawing you out, drawing you out, speak to them, talk to them. But if it keeps going, cut them off. Because at a proper time, if you do not give up, you will see a harvest in your life. You'll see the dreams come to pass that you've been believing from the beginning. If you don't give up. We weren't made to back down. We weren't made to go backwards. We weren't designed to move backwards fastly. We were designed aerodynamic one way. We, the body of Christ, he gives us one side of armor, just the front side. No butt plate, no back of your leg plate. He gave you front stuff. Why? Because he wants the army of God, the people of God to advance. Jesus doesn't know how to go backwards. He only knows how to go forward. But he lives in both. If you're in this room and you say, I'm not going to give up, I'm not going to back down, I'm not going to step down, you know what, I'm not going to back up in my family being saved. If you're in this room and that's you, I'm not going to be back down from my family to save, stand to your feet. I'm not going to back down 
for having what God has showed me in my visions, the dreams. He's, I'm not backing down to it. I'm not backing down. I'm not quitting on, on, on believing that we could have real relationships even in church. We, we could build real deep relationships. I'm not backing down that the churches in this city could actually be unified and have the same goal and the same purpose. I'm not backing down that the Holy Spirit wants to heal people outside this room, not just in here. I'm not backing down that people still need to be saved. They still need Jesus outside these walls. I'm not backing down that God's going to use me. He's going to use me to change the world. I'm not backing down on the job he's promised me, the calling he's promised me, the destiny he's promised me. I'm not backing down because I hear it in my spirit what God has for me and I'm not letting go anytime soon. And as this preacher preaches, so does the devil. Don't give up. You really think that I'm thrown off by your standing? You really think that all your cheers freak me out? Oh, I've been good at this. I've brought down kings, monarchs, and some of the greatest men and women of God in all of history. I've pulled them out. I'm expert at it. I'm the father of lives. Yeah, I'm going to sow things. I, I'm not even going to stop preaching when your little timer's up and when you go to lunch. In fact, I'm going to turn it up then. And when you get into your car and the music comes on, I've already planned the words that will fill your brain and you're just listening to the beat. I've got the music in the movies to soothe your feeling as you watch things that I designed for your life to pull you out of the will of God. I've got all the judgments. I've got the relationships set up. They say if God brings a relationship in your life, he wants to bless you. But I bring relationships in your life to pull you out of the will of God. And I've been working overtime. I got them coming from every angle. And I, I don't, 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 don't get too caught up. Don't get too ahead. Because that seed that you're dreaming of isn't going to come to pass. Because I've been speaking into your past. I've been speaking things. False evidence appearing real, but you call it fear. And fear is very real to you. It's actually just my form of faith. I put it in you because I used the gift God gave you to prophesy so that I could bring things from my world to yours. Go ahead and keep standing. Go ahead and keep believing. I'm not thrown off by it because I'm going to bring regret into your past. And You, you should have said it this way. You should have done it that way. I'm going I'm to keep you thinking. And uh, I know you think that only uh, gods in your life have become the things that you love but I'm, I'm going to put things that you hate and they're going to become your gods too. Uh, things like regret and anger from your past and I'm, I'm going to bring uh, never good enough into your past and you're a failure in your past so if you're a failure in your past you're probably going to be a failure in your present and of course you're always going to be a failure. And as I'm speaking today so is the devil. And he doesn't have a microphone, but he has an instrument that goes right to your heart and gets lodged in your mind. Have you ever not been able to shake his sermon? <laughs> have you ever answered his altar call? It's hard to answer one in church because you're embarrassed, but we answer these ones all the time. We kneel to the God of unloved and the God of stupid and I'm ugly and alone and I'm not forgiven. We kneel to the God of our future, not talented enough. No matter how much we shout, we could be honest. We've made his sermon the track that plays. No matter how many podcasts we download, no matter how many Sundays we come to. It's like on repeat. You ever had it on repeat? I came to serve notice on the devil today. 
That one encounter with Jesus erases every sermon he's ever put inside of you. One encounter with a real God who has never left his throne. Why? Because this is false evidence appearing real. So when the curtain opens and it doesn't happen, today I came to open the curtain and let you know the devil is a liar. He has no right in saying anything to you that you are sons and daughters of the Most High God. You can be seated. You can be seated. Thank you. But the people of God, when God pulled them out of slavery, they were slaves for hundreds of years, being warped, being tormented by their past, their present, and no future. God pulls them out. The Bible says, when I was reading today, it says, it says that God actually set them up. He, he blocked them in on purpose. I don't know if you know that. When they were leaving, they were running, the, the, oh, we're going to the promised land. It's going to be a few days walk. He actually blocked, he hymns them in. God actually puts roadblocks in front of them. And what's crazy is if you actually look at the towns he blocked them in, uh, if you're a scholar, if you want to go deeper on it, it's pretty cool because uh, th there's a lot of foreshadowing in the Bible that's really cool. It goes really deep. But the, all the towns he blocked them in, one, one, one town he blocked them in meant, meant green grass. Another town he blocked them in meant tower or wall. And another, another thing he blocked them in was, was the sea. And if you look up that word where he blocked them in, he blocked them in by this town, this other town. So grass, wall. And sea, which the word sea in that original text meant to roar. So it was, a, it was a prophetic utterance of what he was about to do when he brought them into the land of green grass, milk and honey. Brought down the walls that were in front of them with a roar inside of them. And then they were faced on the other side with, with what would have been a, the name there would have been a, a mythic god. It, it would have been, the, the, the Egyptians would have had this god. They had hundreds of gods. And the name that you hear that was opposite to them. They were blocked in by the, the Egyptian army and the mythic God. You ever wonder why the Egyptians, when they saw the water split, actually followed them in? I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know about you, but I'm like, okay, they got someone with them that's like pretty sick. Like, split the water, let's just hold up right here, stop the horses. But they said on the other end was this, was this where the, the Egyptians felt this, this mythical monster lived. So God had not only set them up, but he set their enemies up as a trap to follow them because they thought they were pushing them to this mythical monster of a god. They said that this god had, had, they thought this god had like fingers like dragons. This giant head and he breathed lightning and all kinds of crazy. And so they actually believed, God, god actually used, he used them and set their enemies up to, to, to think they were trapping them. That's why you always wonder why the devil keeps coming. Because God's so wise and so creative that he uses even your the bad circumstances that people have made up. And he creates systems and plans where your enemy will follow you into the presence of what you thought would destroy you. That's actually been sent to save you. And these enemies that you're facing now, you will, not, you will face no more. But the Egyptians... Chasing them, God had put. Notice that God had put them there. If you read the Bible right there, it says that God had trapped them in this place. And the people of God, I mean, they've been slaved for hundreds of years, and they start crying out in this entrapment. They start crying out, God. I mean, they start, they, they start complaining to Moses first. It's kind of how it works in church. If you have an issue with God, you try to tell me because you really are nervous to talk to Him. 
And they start talking to their leader. You, you, you brought us out here. Did you bring us out here to die? Did you bring us out here to kill us? It's almost crazy because this guy just set them free from hundreds of years of had the boldness to walk up into Pharaoh's palace and say, you're going to let these people go. And it works. And now they're ready to kill him. And when I read that, I find there's something in their words. Either they are morbid, self-mutilators, and hooked on their pain. Like, we would just want to go back. Or there's something in their words that sometimes to get to the freedom that God has for us, it is so difficult and hard that sometimes we would rather trade the freedom and uncertainty in the freedom, we would rather trade it for safety and bondage. This church, we are gonna push for freedom. I'm not okay with safety and bondage. Cause you've been called to freedom. And freedom sometimes can be intimidating because it doesn't look like it's going to work out. But God set them up in a place that didn't look like it was going to work out because it was easy to get them out of slavery. But what he was ultimately trying to do is get the slave out of them. Got him out. But in that moment, he was trying to transition them from slaves to sons. Do you trust me? And for 40 years, they couldn't get it. Couldn't work the slave out of them. They kept having a slave mentality. Man, they've been changed their whole life. Some of them were born in bondage. Some of you were born in bondage. Sometimes you come in this room and you experience freedom for a second, but you walk right back out. You put the change right back on your mind and your hands, and you start listening to this message all over again because it's what you know. Oh, you know, it's so hard to step into freedom because that's so real and it's safe and I know it, but freedom, God could actually use me. That's, that's a little intimidating. It's going to take faith. It's going to be uncertain. So we trade freedom for bondage. Because we're afraid but the God who got us out can't get us in so God opens a sea for them they go through and on the other side as the army is drowning and God they rub the genie in the bottle and he comes out and magically does it for them they worship God God's awesome I knew it I knew he could do it you ever have people like that you can't do it. You can't do it. You'll never work. Never. I knew you could. I was just trying to encourage you. I was just trying to encourage you the other way. I knew you could do it all along. I was in the back saying you could do it. I know. No, no. You weren't saying it. You, you were putting me down. You were. No, no. I knew you could. I, I knew you could do it. Right? And they get on the other side. Like, God, I knew you could do it. You're the man. You're like, weren't you the guy that was like trying to kill me a few minutes? Oh, well, let's just worship. Let's get the tambourine out to celebrate. Right? And so they worshiped God after they saw it with their eyes. But those people never walked into their destiny because they always were slaves. They died on the in-between. 
there was a generation that got to walk in their destiny. And there was these walls. And God said, before the walls come down, you're going to march around. And here's what you're going to do at the end. You're going to worship. You're going to shout. And when you do that, before you see it, it will come to pass. And you can now step into it. I'm asking a generation of people to in their pain, in their present circumstances, in their present arrangement of things, in the present time, to worship a God outside of time and believe that if he's outside of time, he can figure me a way out of this even though I can't figure a way out myself. And if I'm here and it doesn't make sense, he's got me here on purpose and he's about to get the victory because of where I'm at. I'm asking a generation to shout before they see it. I'm asking a generation to step into praise, to step into worship before they see it come to pass. To lift his name high before the cancer's gone. To lift his name high before he packs out this room. Why? Because he's good for it. He's good for it. He's good for it. He's always on time. He's always on time. He's always on time. You're in this room. Here's how we're going to end. And you have something in front of you that feels like the Red Sea. You're blocked in. You're hemmed in. Every side around you, there is no way out. And you have two options. Either you line up with his prophecy and you speak out the lies that look like reality. Or you line up with who God is in your life. And you begin to speak out what he's destined over you from the beginning. And say, yeah, it feels like this. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Yeah, it feels like I'm a failure, but I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who loves me. I can't hear, I can't see, but yeah, those who love God and are chosen by his name, the Holy Spirit will begin to tell me. I'm just, it's just a matter of time. It may look like dirt right now, but just give it some time. It's coming. Because it's not here does not mean it's not coming. Because it's not on your clock does not mean God's not faithful. He stands outside and he is faithfulness. He doesn't have it. He is faithfulness. He loves you. He's for you. And he takes even the bad things and makes them good. Whatever you're going through right now, he's already got a plan to get you out. And if he's got you in it, he's going to get glory from you being in it. Just like me and Christy the other day, we sat with a realtor. She was freaking out that we had peace. But I'm not going to let her words freak me out because I serve the God of peace, right? And I'm going to trust he's got my back. I can't see the house. I can't move in yet. I don't even know where we're moving to. That's okay. The world thinks I'm crazy. They always have thought I'm crazy. Because following Jesus is crazy. If you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to have to make life catch up to you. Seriously. You're going to have to live in the future. Live where you're going, not where you're at. You're called to be a preacher. Start writing your sermon. You're called to start a business. Start writing down your business plan. Start, start picking out. Where your, where your business is going to go, go start looking on LoopNet and finding them where you're going to station your business. 
If you're called to, to change the world through movies, get your little iPhone and make a movie on iMovie. Do whatever you got to do now because you know that God is just, it's just a matter of time. Whatever he asked me in right now, he is just working me into a son. You're in this room and you're in front of crazy odds. And you want God to get the glory today. You want to worship him, not on the other side when he does it. That Anybody can do that. You want to worship him on this side. And you want to see some walls come down. You see, here's the, here's the difference between the Red Sea and the, and, the, and the walls coming down. Between Moses and Joshua. Moses' generation wanted to see it, then they would believe it. Joshua's generation believed it, and they saw it. Do you believe it? Do you believe God's good for it? If you're ready to worship to the level that it's already done, if you're ready to be like Miriam on that side of the Red Sea, bust out your tambourine and write your own song, baby. I know God's got my back. And if he's leading my enemy right at me, he's got a plan for them too. If that's you. Would you come down this front? We're going to sing this song together. We're going to end like this. We're going to worship like he's already completed it in the midst of it. Exploring the app or looking us up on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. If you would like prayer, check out the prayer wall in the Fearless app. God bless you.